This is Hallway Chats, where we talk with some of the unique people in and around WordPress. Together, we meet and chat with folks you may not know about in our community. With our guests, we'll explore stories of living and of making a living with WordPress. Today's episode is sponsored by Beaver Builder. Beaver Builder is a powerful and flexible website builder for WordPress. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, building sites for yourself or for clients, you're going to love the results with Beaver Builder. And now you can build websites even faster with the new extension, Beaver Themer. You can create theme parts, layouts, and templates easily, and even integrate with advanced custom fields. Check out Beaver Builder and Beaver Themer at beaver.builders forward slash hallway chats. And now the conversation begins. This is episode eight. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today we have with us Anthony Paul. I'm super excited to have Anthony here. Anthony is a railroad futurist at GE Transportation. So lest you think you're on the wrong podcast, we are talking to a WordPress person. Anthony has a lot of experience with WordPress. He's also a hot sauce enthusiast. Welcome, Anthony. Anthony, greetings. Thanks for joining us today. So I'm going to let Tara take over in just a second, but I have to know, sriracha or not sriracha? Oh, I love sriracha, yeah. (laughs) But it's not hot enough. Awesome. What's your favorite? Your favorite hot sauce? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I make my own hot sauces, so I grow my own peppers, and and I've had all of the hottest peppers around the world. Uh, The most... Unique sauce, I guess, is the sauce that I discovered at a, a burrito joint called uh, Gator Sauce. It's basically hot sauce that has molasses and honey mustard and things added into it. It's kind of like the A1 steak sauce of hot sauces. You can put it in anything and it just tastes right. Mm. Do you like to get your eyes watering like that kind of hot or do you have a... Oh, house. I do. I, okay. I have tear gas the house making <laughs> hot sauce. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch out. Just the just the vapors can can cause you to you to cough and choke. I think from from what my yeah. husband's made. Yeah. So, Anthony, tell us a little bit more about what you do. Uh, so, I'm part of a, an innovation team at GE, and we do software for the railroad industry, Um, but I'm a a behavioral scientist, so I take everything that I learned through my years of of agency work in figuring out uh, what are the questions our clients are trying to ask but aren't actually asking, and all of that experience of getting information out of people. I now go out into the field for the railroad industry and I shadow and talk to railroad engineers and I figure out what are the problems that you're trying to solve day to day? And I take that back to my team and we come up with concepts for software to help them with their business problems. Well, so it's not specifically, uh, so it sounds like it might be app and website related, but not necessarily WordPress related what you're doing. Yeah, it's web applications. So professionally, uh, I'm not, as of six months ago, I'm not using WordPress professionally anymore other than 
the occasional freelance gig. Um, but I've been using WordPress since Miles Davis won. Okay. Um, how and did that's, you... that's following. I mean, that's, that's what 10... So 10 years prior to my current position, I was in the, the typical design agency world where I was using WordPress all the time. Okay. How did you become a behaviorist, a specialist in in the type of UX stuff that you're doing now? Uh, well, I went to school for graphic design and I had to take general education coursework, uh, obviously. And so I started taking linguistics classes and classes on the way we perceive color and iconography, um, cultural politeness theory, all kinds of just odd things that I thought they sounded interesting. And I took the classes for fun, really. Uh, and then I took so many of these psychology, linguistics, behavioral science classes that I almost had accidentally ended up with a minor, but instead I took the clever approach of uh, sitting down with my advisor and having her replace a bunch of classes I was supposed to take with the ones that I took for fun uh, so I could finish up my design degree. But uh, I went into the field as a designer and a developer, and because I was a designer and a developer, I had to translate information between the design team and the development team. So there was a little bit of uh, a lot of empathy, understanding, you know, the, the, the headbutting between those two teams. Uh, I also filled in kind of the gray area between the sales team and the customer. So going back to what I was talking about with the railroad, it's like uh, in the agency, I saw a lot of that where, we would go into a, a new business meeting or a kickoff meeting with a customer and you see the finance person or the marketing person who they're just really headstrong on a specific thing that they need in their website. They need a specific feature and they needed to do a specific thing and they're not really saying why. And so it was my job as the, the person with uh, you know intuition recognizing that they're having a hard time verbalizing something, figuring out a way for them to verbalize that thing that they need so we can get to the root of what is the problem they're trying to solve and ultimately give them a better solution than the feature they were coming up with off of the cuff. That sounds really interesting. It actually sounds a little bit like a sales job because I would think it would be really hard to convince a client or a designer that what they're doing, what they think intuitively is the right thing to do is actually not what research shows is the best approach, right? So did you find yourself a lot of times in, in conflict with them on those things or did you find you learned how to persuade them to, uh, to the facts or the research? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I mean, it was, learning, it was learning how to listen to people's pain points and then learning how to persuade them uh, through use of their own language. So, uh, you know, something like uh, convincing somebody of a feature that needs to be in there, uh, yeah, I would lean uh, inherently on something like accessibility or usability or best practices, but that doesn't necessarily communicate that idea to that person, but you can take those ideas. So 
that accessibility or that usability can be reframed in the context of search engine optimization or mm -hmm. uh, better conversions. And if you talk about that feature in that value language to the person that you're you're talking to, then you have a stronger say. Yeah, so that's an easier it's both the It's both the listening and the reframing. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, everybody's interested in making their website perform better. And if you can prove to them that what you're proposing will do that, that, that would be a lot easier. Sometimes I think that's probably mm -hmm. hard to do. So you've switched from agency to client to being a client and doing, sounds like even um, a very different kind of work in a lot of ways. Um, in your two or more different capacities that you've served in your career, one of the things we like to talk about on this show is how you define success. So are, do you feel like you're on a trajectory or you're trying new things? How do you define success? Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I think the reason my career has been so all over the place is because uh, I mean, I, I define success as constantly enjoying what I'm doing. So that's going to be professionally and technically challenging myself. Uh, it's going to be constantly learning from others and being able to share exciting things I've learned with others. Um, so I, in all of my workplaces, uh, when I felt like it was time for me to leave, the number one reason I left was typically because I felt like I wasn't being challenged enough or I wasn't able to share, uh, you know, with my team. Uh, one of those two, if not both, was getting broken down at some point. Um, so in that regard, my career has, has left me being a little bit of a leaf in the wind in that at any given moment, I'm looking at what is it next that I want to work on uh, personally and professionally. Uh, and I keep driving toward that. And that's how I accidentally ended up where I am professionally in what I do. Because uh, I could have continued down a design track specifically. I could have continued down a development track specifically. Uh, or even within user experience, which is the domain I practice in mostly today, uh, I could choose something hyper-specific like information architecture. And I could certainly make a career of that. Um, but I kind of, I like understanding all sides of a problem and I like at any given moment in time figuring out which of those fascinates me the most and, and pulling toward that. Anthony, your, your description of success about constantly enjoying what you're doing is, is, is really fascinating to me. And I was particularly intrigued by when you talked about how for you a big part of work satisfaction is learning and sharing. And then you went on to mm -hmm. kind of clarify that when you are ready to move on to a new job, position, career, phase, depending on what you're after, you talk about either wanting more challenges or you're running into an inability to share. And I wonder if that inability to share, if you could just shed a little bit of light on that, is that kind of a communication breakdown at, at, a, at, a, at a work environment? Is it you more you struggling to you know, engage in, in a meaningful way. How does that come about? What does, what does that mean when you say uh, an inability to share? Uh, a lot of times when I'm coming into an organization um, 
at least with uh, with agencies. A lot of times when you come in with an, to an agency, uh, at least with a skill set like mine that's a little bit weird, uh, I'm being brought in <laughs> under the guise of, hey, we really want you to come in and uh, establish this practice or build up this this practice that is kind of a galvanizer between teams. And so a lot of times it starts off with uh, no holds barred. You have uh, the ability to, you know, make waves and everything. Uh, and then over time, that starts getting whittled down. Uh, so there is a political piece there that sometimes can start, you know, getting narrowed to the point that it's not that I'm not able to share, it's not that I'm not able to contribute, but I start feeling like uh, it's not as meaningful a contribution as it would be if I started over, you know? Um, yeah, I get that. I or, understand that. Good. Or it, it, so in addition to the, the, the narrowing, it's also that it's not an inability to share. It's that, uh, perhaps I've already shared a whole lot. And so I see designers and developers start taking user-centered approaches. I see um, they've started using specific tools regularly, like uh, wireframes or gathering peers around them and having sketching studios to ideate on something really quickly. And when I start seeing that those patterns have erupted and they've taken over an agency, uh, it's, it, I don't need to be the Moses or the Jesus or whatever who does that. You know, somebody Your work else is done there. In. Yeah, my work is done. Cool. Thank you. Anthony, tell us a little bit about your involvement in the WordPress community. Even though you're not necessarily working in it right now, as you said, I, I know you're you're involved in it. And and uh, I met you here in D.C. Now you're in Chicago. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so today I, I still speak at WordCamps all the time. Um, I'm usually organizing one or more WordCamps. Uh, and then outside of word camps, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of other camps that I'm also involved in. Um, UX camp. Um, I try and get involved in the design and development communities as much as possible. Uh, a lot of behavioral science meetups. I, I attend a ton of meetups. Um, that's basically my involvement right now. It's just you know continuing engagement with the community. Uh, historically, I, when I, I, when I moved, uh, to Chicago for this position, I was leaving the DC community and I was one of the people who uh, helped revitalize the DC WordPress community. Uh, so I, I co-organized that for a good number of years along with, uh, Aaron Jordan and Andrew Nathan and some people in the early years that has since transitioned to, uh, another larger group. Um, but that's my activity today is uh, a lot of a lot of attending speaking organizing supporting in any way i can i i have kind of a personal uh mantra that if i'm not speaking at a word camp i'm at least volunteering at it and even when i'm speaking i'm generally also volunteering 
because I find volunteering at a WordCamp to be even more so than speaking. The best way to meet anybody at a WordCamp is to volunteer. Yeah, that's a great way. I totally agree with that. And thank you, by the way, for all you do contribute to the community. It means a lot to have somebody like yourself as actively engaged in supporting it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you've been uh, you've been a great help to me and a lot of people in this community and, and at other word camps where you've spoken. Um, what would you say? Can you remember back to when you started in the WordPress community? How you're giving back a lot right now, but how did you um, how did you get started in it? And was it something that that you relied upon? Yeah. Um, so I guess before the WordPress community in college, I was part of the design community. So I was part of uh, the student chapter of AIGA, IIDA, IDSA. It was a bunch of like uh, acronyms for specific industries. And uh, I just, I found a lot of value at that point in being a student and uh I was one of the officers, and we would organize events for students to go into agency uh, environments and hands-on learn what are the problems that agencies are trying to solve and what are the, the types of projects they're working on. And it gave us a really quick sense of what is the workplace like uh, and what are all the different types of work you can do with the same type of degree. Uh, that, as soon as I started my professional career in D.C., was something that I really missed from school, and it was something I yearned for in D.C., and I became involved in um, the D.C. PHP group first. Uh, it was a very small group, um, but they had uh, a listserv. Actually, when I started involvement with that, it was an email listserv, and so... Uh, there were events on occasion, but mostly it was people sending uh, bulk emails to people on this listserv. And they would just, it was great. As a young professional, I had questions that I didn't know the answers to. And I knew that when I posed these questions out there, I would get dozens of answers uh, of all different levels of depth. And it didn't seem like anybody was judging any questions. Uh, so when Meetup came along, Meetup was kind of the big game changer because suddenly we had regularly scheduled Meetups for PHP. So I just started searching Meetup for anything I was interested in. WordPress was one of my favorite uh, content management systems at the time. So there was a DC group, um, and they were looking for a venue. And so the agency I was at, uh, I actually convinced my bosses to have us start hosting the PHP group. And as soon as the PHP group was there and they were meeting in my office space monthly, which was very convenient because for me to go to the meetup, all I did was walk from my desk uh, to the other room Hmm. uh, and I could have them there every month. Uh, And then I, I believe it was Andrew Nason who reached out to me uh, about the WordPress group within a couple of months of PHP meeting in our space. And they were looking to get the WordPress uh, DC group started again. It had been uh, sleeping for quite some time. And so I talked to my bosses and I said, oh, yeah, we use WordPress all the time. We would love to have them. 
Uh, I was also involved in the Joomla community at the time, but there wasn't a meetup. It was just a, a camp. Uh, and then DC jQuery was the third that reached out and said, hey, can we host our meetup in your space? Uh, so we created this kind of cool chasm uh, community where uh, in DC where the, the PHP, WordPress, and jQuery at the time uh, were all very complementary to each other. Hmm. And so what we did is we put them three days in a row uh, in our space. Uh, and it was kind of a rolling beer stock because uh, it, it, we didn't do sponsorship. Everything was, we would tell our members, bring your own, and everyone would bring a six-pack or, or non-alcohol. You know, it was a blend. Uh, but we had a refrigerator there in our uh, agency space, and so there were always leftovers from the previous meetup every time the new meetup came in. And so we just had this rolling stock that uh, it, it was awesome because it wasn't all of one thing. You had yeah. <laughs> probably 30 different drinks to choose from uh, That's awesome. the event. That's um, very smart. But we got a lot of cross-pollination between members. Um, that's where I started meeting people and started getting addicted to the community. It was probably not for the first six months or so before I started getting comfortable enough to do a lightning talk or to speak. Um, mostly I just liked being there, shaking hands with people. And I liked hearing the unique perspectives and stories that the speakers had on how they're using WordPress or a specific coding library or uh, techniques on how they approach uh, business problems, anything. Thank you. That was, that was cool. I love the way that you wove together the different... Um, meetup groups and focuses within development into one space and then had them sharing beers and sodas together. That's great. Let me, let me back up and, and kind of take a wider approach for, for a minute here and ask you to reflect back on your career and think about what's been, if not the biggest, one of your biggest challenges professionally and whether or not that's I had this type of design project to do, or maybe it's a personal development thing that you were addressing personally. What's been one of your biggest challenges in your career, and how did you address it? Or how are you addressing it if it's ongoing? Mm. Uh, biggest challenge? Uh, I mean... It's going to be a blend of imposter syndrome and and FOMO, uh, fear of mm -hmm. missing out. It's yep. like, I mean, the biggest challenge, specifically when you're in the technical space, uh, I mean, the design space and the UX space as well, but particularly in the in the technical space, like development, it's just everything is always new. You know, you could you could take uh, a an eight week nonstop training boot camp with the top CTOs from Facebook and Twitter and whoever, if you wanted to, to enter into the industry. And six months later, the stuff that you learned would already be old. So there's this this persistent anxiety that what you know is not new enough. And so uh 
shoot, I forget who somebody was telling me about a talk they're putting together for a word camp. Uh, oh, actually, I think it might be Tara. Um, <laughs> Thanks for that, that plug. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that wasn't that was an accident. That I, it, it, I was just I was thinking of the the abstract subject. And what I liked in the abstract was basically giving you permission to not move toward the shiny thing, because there is this persistent feeling that you always need to be checking out the latest of this and the latest of that. And a lot of times we make the mistake of not rechecking ourselves and asking, is the thing that I'm using right now going to solve this business problem? Because if it is, then it's the right it's the right solution for the problem that you're solving right now. Uh, Sure, some stuff has shelf life. But again, uh, even if you were to somehow squeeze in training for yourself for the latest thing and turn around a solution that that, uh, is good enough and solves the problem, uh, ultimately, again, six months from now, it's going to be just as out of date as something else is. And I think that's something that uh, as professionals in our industry, uh, I'm probably not the only person who's always struggling with that. And that's this anxiety of keeping up. And that's kind of why for my own professional goals, uh, I think Twitter is a good metaphor here. So when I first got on Twitter, I had this, uh, Twitter stressed me out (laughs) because the number of tweets that were flying by me every time I would open up my app and it had, you know, 300 unread tweets, I would try and read every <laughs> single tweet, uh, before. Gosh, how do you deal with Slack? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, so I read because I was, I was used to things like instant messaging. I was used to things like email. And so I was trying to keep up with every single tweet before I came back. And then I found it was so arduous to try and keep up with all of the tweets that eventually I said, all right, well, I'm either going to delete Twitter and not use it anymore, or I'm going to accept the fact that I cannot read all the tweets and I will just actually turn off notifications on my phone for Twitter at all so I don't have any badge markers or anything. And then whenever I have a minute, I will look at it. I'll read a few latest tweets. I'll look at some funny gifts. I'll retweet a couple of things. And then I'll get back to my day. Uh, And that's eventually how I had to arrive at my career as well, is there's no way I'm going to keep up with all the things. So at any point that uh, I feel like I'm facing a challenge I can't overcome and I need to go out and find something to solve that challenge, I will do it. But if the tool set that I have is solving the problems that I need to solve today. I'm perfectly fine with that, even though I know there are probably better ways of doing things out there. Uh, and that kind of like piecemeal learning uh, it is, it's what led, has led me to, you know, constantly be changing directions, but it's also uh, brought a lot more sanity and balance into my life. 
Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent point, and many of us feel that way. I think it's hard when you're in an open source community where people are so willing and happy to share all the time. They're always sharing their their best new discovery and the best new way of doing something, and it makes you always question whether what you're doing is the best way to do it. So I think that's definitely something that many of us feel. And along those lines, I think what you're what you're sharing in terms of the advice on how to avoid that is is really powerful and helpful. Well, something that we like to ask everyone on the show is about advice that you've received and what you would say would be the most valuable piece of advice that you've ever received in your professional or your personal life. Oh, uh, I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, it was always harsh advice. I had a favorite design professor in college that uh, I have a lot of one-liners from him that I retain with me all the time. Uh, the first one was the first day of class, and he stated over and over, I'm not your therapist. Uh, it was, you know, don't tell me that you didn't finish your homework because of whatever. Don't, you know, I'm sorry if your mother died and you missed class. Uh, you, you know, within reason, there, there, he, he wasn't heartless. There were things you could go to him for. Uh, but ultimately, his point was we didn't want a bunch of wet noodles in the class, uh, you know, having excuses for not doing projects because he was likening his class to the professional world where there are hard days and some days you just need to show up and you need to turn in that thing and finish that project. Uh, and that was one of the, the life lessons I think I got from him. And I actually really liked that he started off the class that way because he basically invited anybody in the, in the class who didn't want to take the class to drop out uh, because then the next day he's like, all right, now we get into the fun stuff. I love that. I love that. I love that yeah. candidness of this is real. Get used to it. Find <laughs> a way to get it done. And it, and it reminds me uh, of a of a phrase that I I've heard from my wife's side of the family that I think it was her her grandmother who said uh, talking about your deadlines and getting things done and in time. If it's worth doing well, it's worth doing badly. Just get it done. <laughs> 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 yeah. Not that badly is the target, but that sense of just get it done. Yeah. And speaking of just getting it done, we're, we are out of time today, Anthony. Uh, so on behalf of Tara, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. It's, uh, it's a real pl privilege for both of us to have you on. We know you keep a very busy schedule. So thank you very much for your time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Where can people reach you, Anthony? How can we find you if, if we're not at uh, WordCamp? <laughs> uh, you can Google me with my middle initial included, Anthony D. Paul, and you'll get 10,000 Google search results that are only me. Great. That is well, awesome. Yes. Thanks again for being with us, and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon, Anthony. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form 
on our site to tell us about themselves.